Thanksgiving week, you guys. I hope y'all have the most amazing holiday week. Spending it with someone that you love or just enjoying some downtime because you deserve it. I am coming on here to tell you guys. I was trying to decide if I was going to say coming or hopping. So I said coming on here to tell you guys that I will not be having a podcast on Monday which is today, because I had the great honor of guest hosting on Kelly Henderson's podcast, Velvet's Edge, and I had the most incredible interview with Kirby Miller, who is a celebrated celebrity chef. She's gone through so much trauma and grief in her life, and she's done so much work on it. And we get into a really deep, honest conversation about duality. D-U-A-L-I-T-Y. Say that five times fast. Duality. I can't say it. Duality. Which is basically just that there's two sides to every coin in life. There's joy. There's grief. There's uh, happiness. There's sadness. There's up. There's down. There's right. There's wrong. There's hot. There's cold. There's black. There's white. There's yes. There's no. Everything is just dual in this world. And that can be so hard. Because there's suffering, there's healing. It's just, we live in this world that is so extreme. And so Kirby has had a firsthand glimpse of living straight through those extreme highs and lows in life from losing her brother tragically to drowning when he was 13. Then her mom was in a car accident and Kirby is now her primary caretaker to having dreams come true and having incredible experiences like hosting a cooking retreat in Italy. She's done so many amazing things, but she's also lived through so much. So we talked about that. And I was so honored when Kelly Henderson, who of Velvet's Edge, asked me to co asked me to host her podcast because I love her podcast. And her podcast interviews the most incredible people. Kelly's not only a fashionista and a stylist to celebrities like Dirks Bentley. She's just a real chick and she shares so much real stuff and she couldn't be cooler and more honest, which just makes her podcast awesome. So I love Kelly and I love her podcast and I'm just a friend. She's a friend of mine and I just really admire her hustle and her drive and her life. And I was really honored and I think her podcast is amazing. Her Velvet's Edge podcast is amazing. So I was just really honored when she wanted me to do an episode for her. So I want to share that episode, but I want her to go first. And so she is sharing it on Wednesday. And then after it airs on Wednesday, it will be airing here on Thursday. So this week, make sure you hop back over on Thursday and check out Kirby Miller as we talk about the duality of life. And um, it will be featured from Velvet's Edge Podcast. So again... Oh, and Thursday's Thursday's Thanksgiving. So I guess I'm going to put it out on Thanksgiving. (laughs) It'll either be Thursday or Friday. You'll know. You'll get an alert. So check for the new podcast on Thursday or Friday. And um, thank y'all for tuning in. And I hope y'all have a happy, happy holiday. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge Podcast with Kelly Henderson. I am thrilled to be here. I'm Caroline Hobby, and I am stepping in for Kelly while she's on a break. I am so thrilled that she asked me to host her podcast, Velvet's Edge, that I wanted to bring a very special guest on, Kirby Miller, who is so deep, so insightful. You have lived so much life, joy, pain. You have found your passion, 
but you have lived a life of just walking through it all like we all have and you share that and I think that that is so amazing and the topic that I want to cover today with you is duality how do you say that Duality. 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 Yes. Duality. yes. So Kirby <laughs> is joining me today, and we're just going to have a real honest conversation about this life mm-hmm. that we live, mm-hmm. because it's so good, and then it's so hard. Mm-hmm. In parallel. In parallel. Mm. Yeah. Like, I walked in today, like, I'm just having a day, mm-hmm. and I walked in today crying to you because mm-hmm. I literally can't handle it mm-hmm. today. Like, mm-hmm. I can't handle the need to keep up with social media Mm -hmm. today. I can't handle the need that everyone has to share everything Mm -hmm. about their life. I can't Mm -hmm. handle that like, we just live in this world of just so fast paced and it feels so like Mm -hmm. soulless sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's the world we live in and we just are in it, Mm -hmm. but then we gotta use our life to spread goodness. But sometimes it's like, it's just this life is so hard and exhausting and Mm -hmm. filled with so much pain and trauma. Mm Ugh. Ugh, is is the feeling that really does come up. Well, I am uh, thrilled and honored to be sitting here with you, and there are no mistakes. Even through it all, even through everything that you mentioned about uh, my life, I know there are m- no mistakes. Because you've had a lot There's thrown at you. Lot. There's been a lot happening, but what you're saying about the complexity. Sometimes life feels so overwhelmed and complex, and it's almost as though... Our design craves simplicity, but we strive for complexity. How about that? Okay, break that down. So let me just ask you, if you could name right now the top three things that you desire. Just what are three things that you desire? Peace. Mm -hmm. Love and contentment for everyone on Mm -hmm. this earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one gets a little sticky (laughs) and tricky, but at its core, seems pretty simple. Right. But we are really good at seeking out things that require versions of ourselves that don't feel natural, that don't feel natural. And that's where we can live in opposition to ourselves. So when we talk about navigating this life with all of the things that we are responsible for, the things that we're striving for, and then let's pepper in some curveballs. Yeah. The (laughs) The good ones, the bad ones. How do we do it? And how do we do it well? Uh, And I believe we do it well by being authentic, by being graceful, and also by having a really clear vision for our lives so that we have a true north in those hard times because we're going to have them. I call those uh, my in the closet moments. Sometimes I'm very literally in the closet. Like sitting in the closet. In the closet. Crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rewind back three weeks ago, you would have found me in there. You were? Oh, yeah. Crying? Oh, yeah. There's some tears. Um, I also like to have a little conference with tears in my car sometimes. Ever do that? Oh, I was crying the whole way over here. I literally was driving over here and I was telling you, I was like, Kirby, <laughs> I promise you, like, I'm not like wanting to check out of this life or anything mm-hmm. but I was driving over here just thinking like I just like can't stand it I mm-hmm. can't stand the cycle mm-hmm. like I can't stand mm-hmm. the cycle that we're in mm-hmm. like yes and I was just like crying I'm like why do I have to live in this cycle mm-hmm. that we're in yeah with everything it's just like trauma in the world and mm-hmm. everything's on social media and mm-hmm. like one bad thing after the mm-hmm. other after the other after the other and mm-hmm. I'm like 
lost in it. It's too much. Yeah, it's consuming. It's consuming. It can almost be like quicksand. Yes. Which, on a funny note, I don't know about you, but like the shows we watched in the 80s and 90s, because I think we're around the same age, they had us much more worried about quicksand than we should have been. Remember? (laughs) There was like always a scene where someone got lost in quicksand. I have this book. It's a bathroom book, and Mm -hmm. it's called Worst Case, How to Survive Worst Case Scenarios. (laughs) And I was reading it the other day while I was sitting on the toilet. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, how to survive quicksand. And it's actually just so if you ever get in quicksand, Mm -hmm. you need to get on your back, Mm -hmm. float, parallel, horizontal Mm -hmm. on your back and Mm -hmm. try to find a stick and lay on it because then you will stay buoyant Mm -hmm. FYI in case you ever do get in quicksand okay just in case I ever find myself in that condition (laughs) so while that's funny let's talk about that because I don't know and hopefully those of you listening are kind of getting a chuckle out of that because it just seemed like every sitcom had like a scene with quicksand (laughs) so while we may not physically find ourselves in quicksand every day I I honestly believe you know because I'll take something and go real deep on it in a minute because I believe everything has a lesson I believe perhaps that was a foreshadowing of our adult life because we may not be in physical quicksand, but we surely will find ourselves in emotional and spiritual quicksand. And that's what you're describing. Much like what you talked about, the chaos, quicksand, you find yourself in it and you can't quickly get out. And And you can sink and drown quickly too. Very quickly. And then what precipitates that? Struggle. Mm. Fighting. Panic. Is what actually makes it worse. Worse. So what you just described in that bathroom book, I kind of like that. I think there are some lessons in that. Get on your back. Get on your back. Look up. Look up. Find something stable. Get, get, like, stop moving. Mm -hmm. Be still. Be still. There's a good book that kind of told us that, too. Be still and just know. So I think when we have these times, we have to go back to some of the basics. And that doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge what's happening that's one of the most toxic things that you can do to yourself and people that you love. So if you're listening to this, especially being someone who's navigated a lot of grief in my life, uh, don't turn a blind eye to someone's grief or what they're going through. You may not have the solution. More than likely, you won't have the solution. But one of the most powerful things that you can do is be with someone in their pain and look them in the eye and say, I'm here with you. I see you. I can't fix it, but you're not alone. And I believe that's why the feeling that you're describing is so intense for you because you're that person. You're that kind of person. And that's one of the most beautiful and valuable types of people. So exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just feel so heartbroken for this world that Mm -hmm. we live in Mm because there's just so much pain Mm -hmm. and that's the duality. Like there's Mm -hmm. hot, there's cold, there's black, Mm -hmm. there's white, there's Mm -hmm. trauma, there's joy, there's like the heartache, there's miracles. Like we're talking about, there's all the things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, you can have this extreme joy and all these amazing things happen. Mm -hmm. But then right on the flip side, the complete opposite Mm -hmm. is right there. And I just can't get over Mm -hmm. the, the two sides of the Mm -hmm. coin. Like I can't just live on the joy side because the the sad side is is always there. And someone is always feeling something traumatic and sad. In the same moment that you're having perhaps the most blissful thing happen to you, in the same moment. So you've had some mm-hmm. big trauma. Mm-hmm. How, talk to me about some of the things, because you're so open and willing to share your journey. Yeah. Open book, because I do believe that um, when we take the time to acknowledge and process our own issues and trauma, we can really provide a roadmap to other people. Again, that's not an 
a solution, but it's just here's what's worked. And I believe that is how we can be the highest version of ourselves, and that's an act of service, is being transparent and real about what's happening. Because you have no idea how what you share, just even hopefully people listening to us today, could potentially be a lifeline or have just a word that someone needed. So I have navigated in a space that, for lack of a more eloquent way of saying it, because we'll get real today. Uh, We're going to get been real on real Velvet's Edge. On Velvet's Edge. For all y'all listening, I do host a podcast called Get Real with Caroline Hobby. I don't know if I said that in the beginning. You did not say that. And we love, I love things. to share very real, real stories. So yeah. we're bringing some Get Real to Velvet's Edge. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, give a Cliff's Notes version, and this is by no means dishonoring trauma, but we can't be here three days. <laughs> so I'm going to give a Cliff Notes version, but just to highlight some of the concepts that we've just talked about. So they say your birth story is really important and shapes you, right? Like how you were born? How you were born, kind of the context in which you came into this world shapes you. Well, uh, from a very early age, I learned kind of about my traumatic entry into this world. I was born at 26 weeks. You were? Mm -hmm. One pound, nine ounces. And when my mom went to the hospital, they said, we're so sorry, you're not going to go home with this baby. Yeah. And if you do, she's going to be blind. Oh my gosh. Have learning disabilities, have trouble. So that's the context in which I grew up in that birth story. And then fast forward to a family environment. Many of us have these that look one way on the outside, but on the inside are a bit chaotic. That was not different for our lives. And then when I was about two years old, my brother, who was 13, went to a church camp um, and didn't come home. What do you mean? He drowned at that camp. What? And that sent a ripple effect through our family. And he my, drowned at the mm-hmm. camp? Yeah. And so my um, I share this for the, the foundation of trauma that you're talking about. And so um, now that I'm an adult and I see what my mom had to navigate. Was your dad a part of your life? He was, yeah. So, And the crazy thing about that, my dad was supposed to be on that trip, and he wasn't. And so that just uh, it it, shatters the family. Did it tear your family apart? Uh, internally. But externally, you know, we don't leave our families. Did your parents stay together? They did stay together. And my mom uh, often said, the other children would have been fine. I knew that I had to take care of you. Otherwise, I would have crawled in the casket with him. Like you, Kirby. Yeah, because I was a sick baby. And And you were two. I was two. You were fragile. How mm. many other siblings do you have? So I have two sisters and a brother. I had the older brother. So that's the that's a childhood context, and then we fast forward under the shadow of that, um, the loss of you know being able to just be free and innocent as a kid because there's just always this knowing that bad things can happen. So that I'm bringing that up. Because your innocence you was taken because from the beginning of your life, like yeah. you said, your birth story, mm-hmm. and then knowing mm-hmm. that the worst thing can happen can in your life happen. has already yes. happened. Has already happened. So you can't fake that this world is great and all these wonderful things are real you already know it's bad you have a real example and i'm going to take you on a short trip go with me hang in there with me this is not to uh sit in in the trauma of it but i'm going to take you on a trip that's going to bring you to us to today and how i manage some of these things and kind of this is a a good way to give an underpinning because people if they follow me on social media which i hope that you do okay everyone tell us where you are so i'm at kanimi kitchen on instagram spell that k-i- N-I, and then M-I. 
It's for Kirby Nicole Miller. So if you're like, what did she say? Just think the first two letters of Kirby Nicole Miller. So Kanimi Kitchen. And you are an amazing chef. You've gone to like Italy mm-hmm. and lived in a house mm-hmm. and like cooked for people mm-hmm. and done all these experiences. So like, many things. Life has given you a lot of joy. It has. As you've opened yourself up to yes, joy. I've through opened the tr- myself up to joy. So only you, through a process though. You have, you are a walking example of duality. Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. Living in dual, yeah. dual, duality. And having that to reconcile exactly what I believe you're wrestling with right now. And it's that being able to be present and open yourself up to joy authentically without feeling that that other shoe is going to drop because you have a knowing that it will. Because you've already lived it. And it's hard. It's challenging. That's a battle every day because, you know, then for me, I lost my biological dad at 10. So we fast forward to losing him traumatically at 10. How did you lose your dad? Um, To medical malpractice, yeah. He sent me to school one day, and um, he was on dialysis, was on the list for kidney transplant, was all planned, and uh, the machine malfunctioned, and uh, he didn't come come home. Kirby! Yeah, so when people see the happy food, and they see me on TV, and they see me traveling, I want to provide context. So then you have a mother who had her own childhood trauma, lost a son, lost her husband, and then let's pepper in the fact that she is a black female homicide detective. So she sees this every day and brings that home, and we She's get exposed. She's a homicide detective. Yeah. On yeah. top of this, she is mm-hmm. carrying, carrying all. So when we talk that, about carrying, yeah, and then how? Um, how do you make it? Yeah, through. Mm-hmm. You face it. You seek out resources. You find what works for you as far as release. You don't bottle it in. And then there's a certain peace that you have to make with the law of this life. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I am there because mm-hmm. I can't make that mm-hmm. peace. Like I mm-hmm. haven't gone through stuff mm-hmm. that you've gone through mm-hmm. at all. But I can't accept it that mm-hmm. we have to make mm-hmm. peace with mm-hmm. this. I hate it. And it's good to express that. And I'm not here to try to convince you or or otherwise, but I am here to say that we didn't meet on mistake and I'm here to walk that journey with you. You you may not accept it today and acceptance doesn't mean blind eye. It's just a knowing that there is a law law to this life that we were born into. It's just, it's it's the truth of, of this context that we're in. And once I accepted that I was able to open myself up more because I went through so many years, so many years on autopilot, having that traumatic type of childhood. If you do have done any uh, research in ACEs or adverse childhood events that can actually manifest itself in a variety of different ways, mine was uh, autopilot and perfectionism. So I was in that zone for so long but on the journey of healing alongside my corporate career that I was building, because that's responsible and that's what you do to take care of yourself. And your mom, was mm-hmm. she, how did she get, did she go into autopilot? Like how did yes. she continue on? Not well. Yeah. <laughs> Not well. And that Raising me- three girls mm-hmm. on her own? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was, she did not deal with it well, which then led to me deciding that as soon as I can, I'm leaving. Leaving, getting out. Leaving, getting out. My dad was my person, and I remember thinking, how could you leave me? How could you leave me? And as soon as I'm able... God, how could you leave me as a tenure? Mm -hmm. What, I mean, what a feeling to Mm -hmm. have your person 
who's your rock for this mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. leave you at mm-hmm. 10 mm-hmm. it's and not fair it's not fair and let's say that that's law too it's I was, not fair. i was telling you earlier are you going to tell us the law of life yeah well we're going to talk a little bit about okay. it i'm still it's still the the story is still being written and okay. you and i are going to be on the journey together and everyone listening to this we're now on this uh, journey together um it is unfair. We can call it what it is. It's not fair. I got a running list for God as I was telling you, like, this is not fair. This may be law, but this is not fair. Kirby said she had a list for God. When she finally meets her, she's yeah, going like, to go look, through this list. Like, listen, can I just pull you to the side for a minute? I got that a few questions. Book, my yeah. list for God. I like that. And I am actually working on a book that doesn't have a title. So boom. You need it. Something might be born here. Yeah. But I will, I'll, I'll fast forward a bit because I want to get to kind of what we're talking here. So I was on autopilot. I was building this career in healthcare and healthcare technology, very passionate about helping people being a part of the solution. What lights me up the most in my gifting is connecting people authentically. And that takes place in a variety of different ways and food being one of them. I started cooking when I was five and that was one of the safe places with my mom in the kitchen. She's a phenomenal cook and baker. So I would revisit that ability to connect people and talk with them and people open up to me. I would just kind of revisit it alongside pursuing my career and my degrees in biology and chemistry and informatics because that's responsible. I was just kind of dabbling in the things that gave me light and that I saw light up other people. But on my journey to healing, I asked myself, would I be okay if I reached the end of my life, whenever that may be, if I didn't give real attention, life, and honor to what I felt inside was my gift? And the answer was no. So out of that was a more formal birth, if you will, of Kanimi Kitchen, a lifestyle brand that grows into other aspects. And that has taken me on a really cool journey. And so it was like when I leaned into that, opportunities started to open. And there's like a lot of trust, though, when it comes to leaning into what you feel like your Mm -hmm. purpose is. Mm -hmm. And trust is not easy for me. And I feel like it was that hard because you are now kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're dealing with all sorts Mm -hmm. of like trauma, emotional mm-hmm. abandonment, like mm-hmm. feelings of pain. I mean, I'm not trying to put words yeah, on no, you. Yeah, no, 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 but you know what's up. Yeah. But, and then you probably feel like you need to have stability because that's yep. why you went to corporate world. Yep. You don't necessarily, you know that life is awful and terrible too because you've had no, these awful real. things happen. Mm-hmm. But then you decided to take the leap to mm-hmm. lean into your passion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a ballsy move. Well, let's give it ballsy light because I built that alongside my corporate career. Which is also really smart mm-hmm. to do that. And I, all these things that I was reading, I was trying to apply in real life. Like when you lean into what you're gifted and life opens up. So I was like, okay, let's try it. And I saw that start to be true. But then I would hit these barriers where it's like, I feel too happy or I feel you too feel excited. Guilty? There wasn't a guilt. There was a, um, there was a trigger. There was a trauma response that if I feel too happy, like that almost calls in doom. Like once you're in this, yes, Mm -hmm. then something is coming for you. It's coming. And it's going to be exactly the same level Level. of joy for the doom. For the doom. And then let's make it worse. Let's make it worse. Then we tell ourselves, this is what I told myself. And on really hard days, I still fall into this pattern that the level of despair that I'm going to feel is because I let myself feel too happy. And so if so you now just, you don't let yourself feel joy. Yeah. Let's just numb out. Let's just autopilot.
gosh, that makes so much sense. Because mm-hmm. if you actually give in to the joy and feel it, mm-hmm. you're just setting yourself up setting for yourself massive up. heartbreak on the yeah. other side. But the truth is, if you don't, you're setting yourself up uh, for a really unfulfilled life. And I can say that even being on the having a, confir- a confirming experience with this. So I kind of was playing small and the traction for the brand was growing organically, which is ex- was exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Because you're like, oh gosh, oh, man. I'm, my purpose, I'm feeling good, mm-hmm. I'm feeling joy, I'm feeling good. oh crap, this here is it coming comes. together. But here comes the doom. That's right, here comes the doom. But then I was like seeing all these glimmers and this is gonna be real. So if you're listening to this, hoping, hoping that you're like, I feel it coming, this is gonna turn into a beautiful story. There are gonna be bunnies and rainbows and leprechauns just turn the podcast off now because that's not where we're headed but it's real and I hope that it helps you and I hope it helps me to tell it and I hope it helps people who are listening in 2018 I was dabbling in the brand on the side I was in a very complex informatics project for a major medical center here and I I don't even know what that means (laughs) (laughs) you're so smart what does that even mean so informatics really is the intersection of people and technology. We'll, we'll put it at that level. So I was involved in a huge software project for Vanderbilt, was recruited to do that. And it was very stressful around the clock. And I was still building this brand because that was kind of my lifeline. Well, it started growing and I started getting more traction and I got excited. And again, I am telling this story because life does not give you just one lemon and then you make a cute glass of lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> there can be more. But know that you can get through it. So 2018, I'm excited about the traction. I'm triggered by the traction. I'm like leaning into it and then shying away from it. So fast forward to a a number of really beautiful opportunities started to present themselves. And I said, okay, I am going to like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to go into 2019 full on, open heart. Let's Mm. get it. So that's I, a big decision for you. It's a big decision. We're doing this. And so on New Year's Eve 2018, I was like amped up. Okay. I still was going into work. I went into work on that morning. So excited because nobody was going to be there. Everybody was going <laughs> to take off. I was going to do my work. And then I was going to bring in the new year. Look at this. And again, this is real and we can do this and we can handle this. I was going to bring in the new year spread on my desk at work. I had all these really cool emails and opportunities and things I was going to allow myself to dream. I bought a new planner, <laughs> stickers. No, I'm not four years old, but we all like some good stickers. I love a good sticker like, we're going to do some stuff. I'm sitting at my desk. I talked to my mom that morning and then I get a phone call on my cell phone from her. And I text her back and I said, Hey, I'm at work. Does anybody else's mom like call them at work? And they're like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm working. <laughs> and so I text her and said, I'm at work. She called again. I text her back and said, hey, I'm at work. Can I call you back later? The phone rings a third time. And we've all had those moments in life, perhaps not all the same, but where something tells you Your stomach it's drops. about to change. Yeah. Your stomach just is yeah. drops. So I picked up the phone, and given that background that I shared with you, I'm no stranger to having to turn it on in a And here you like go that. again. You finally decided to let the joy in, to let your passion in. You knew the doom was going to come, but you said, no, I'm turning, I'm blocking that. I refuse Mm -hmm. to believe Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I'm taking the risk. I'm being vulnerable. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I was doing it. And I picked up the phone and I said, hey, what's up? And she said, "Uh, there's been a really bad accident. Your mom says this. My mom says this to me. And I said, okay. 
given being raised by a homicide detective and going through all of the trauma that I'd gone through personally, I'm probably the person you want with you when a traumatic thing happens, especially also working in healthcare. There's a switch that flips and you go into what are we doing? And so I said, okay, tell me where you are. She couldn't tell me. I said, I need you to hand the phone to someone who can tell me where you are. And my co- like the two coworkers who had come into the office at that time <clears throat> heard the change in my voice and turned around and they're like, what's going on? And so the person uh, on the scene of the accident told me where they were. And I remember I was cute that day. I was going to bring in New Year's Eve, like dress good to feel good. I was in heels, took off running through Vanderbilt Medical Center to get to my car and go to the scene of the accident. So we're going to fast forward to... Um, Six hours later, I'm in the emergency room of the medical center where I work with both parents because my mom I got remarried to my stepdad, who I introduced her to. That's a whole thing. I'm in the emergency room with both of them. And within the span of... Was your stepdad uh, in an accident as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in the car as well, which is crazy. And he was not doing well. She was able to respond. She called me. She's talking to me. I was able through my relationships there to be like, hey, let's get them pulled up. We need to make sure we get their scans. Because if you're in healthcare, you know, there are some bottlenecks. And I knew the look on the face uh, when they came around the corner was not good. When your parents came around the corner? When the provider came around the corner after my mom had her brain scanned. And he said, I'm so sorry. But there's bleeding. Um, She was on a blood thinner. And I knew with that, and I knew the look on his face, so we very quickly moved from the emergency room to um, a critical care unit. And I couldn't see her for an hour in that transition. And I sit with that, oh, I'm a fighter, and I fought so many things on this journey. I couldn't see her for an hour during that transition. And when I walked in, she opened her eyes, and her eyes were full of tears. And, and note, she'd been talking to me. I said, Mom, are you okay? And she said, I don't know. But when she said, I don't know, her voice was different. And having my background in training in biology, chemistry, healthcare, that's a sign that something is going very, very wrong. Her voice so sounded different? It sounded almost like, a, you know how people who sound like with hearing like impairment? Like a monotone mm-hmm. a little bit? Mm-hmm. So it's the tour nurse. I said, uh, her status has changed greatly. He, says, he said, she's answering all my questions fine. I said, I am telling you, her status has changed. We need to get someone in here. They came in, did another scan, and it was the second time that they said that we're so sorry when they found me. They said, we're so sorry, but during the process, she began to have an episode. I won't go into the details. And we couldn't recover her airway, and we had to intubate her. So the next time I saw my mom, tubes, hair shaved, were having to put in a device to remove the pressure off of her brain. And that led to her being in a coma for over six weeks. And with that, when she woke up, she couldn't speak. She had a trach, a feeding tube, paralyzed on her right side. And I'm navigating my stepfather being critically injured as well. For five months, I slept in a hospital. Went on autopilot real good, because I had just accepted a new position with Vanderbilt. Took a shower, would go across campus, run a few meetings, and come back and sleep there. Stop. When I tell you looking for hope and and beauty is not easy but it's possible it comes from a qualified place my gratitude practice was reborn in the icu because i'm looking walking from bed to bed someone who we have had a complicated history but i 
can't get you to wake up. You won't wake up. This person who I introduced you into my life as my stepfather, I was like, oh, we're going to have this great new chapter. I'm having to answer questions about what your final wishes would be. It was at that time that everything that I had read and learned about, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to have to lean into this because you've broken me down to my, my bare ingredients. Any other cir- circumstance, I can come up with a plan. But I was like, I have to dig deep into gratitude and faith. And so that's where my gratitude practice was but Warm. isn't the last thing you want to do is have gratitude right the now? The absolute last thing I want to do. Like, I'm so mad right now for you. Like, <laughs> this is so not fair that you've had to live through so much trauma. I agree. Like, why? And I felt that anger. But and yet here you sadness. are finding gratitude. Mm-hmm. Had to. And it felt, I, I started, because, you know, I'd read all these things leading up to it. And so it's a true statement. So hopefully those of you who choose to listen to this podcast and you listen to books and all these things, just know you're pouring into yourself so that when you're in a situation, those things can rise and come up and come out. And so for me, I couldn't be inauthentic. If you know me in real life, I'm going to tell you the truth. So I couldn't have a gratitude practice of God, universe, thank you for showing me the way with this trauma. I couldn't. I couldn't, but I knew it was important, and it was one of the hardest things that I could do. And so I would, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're listening to these machines. I've still got work deadlines because I'm too much of a crazy person to have relinquished control there. I would just start with something. You're still working. mm -hmm, But that was a trauma response. That was not the right thing to do. That was a trauma response. That was a, I have to control something. Don't recommend that. Take time. And so I would start with things as simple as I'm grateful to be able to be here with them during this time. I'm I'm grateful that I can be the one. It's an honor. You start there. That's ugly. It doesn't feel good. I'm grateful that I have the relationships at the best medical center in the region. And I built a career here for over a decade so that when this car accident had happened, all I had to do was pick up the phone and there, were, there was a team waiting for them. I don't know why this had to happen, but I'm grateful. That's where it, it was reborn. And so when people see me today and they see Instagram and they see the, um, the positive quotes and things, it comes from a real place because it's not over. And um, just two, one short month, it will be three years that I've been in a primary caregiver role for her. I still take care of her. I was with her this morning. And so when, when we're talking about this and when I can seem calm and collected when I'm talking about adversity and trauma, it doesn't come from a place of inexperience. It comes from a place of I've been there. I've seen it. I looked it in the face. I look it in the face every day. This is how you manage it. Do you not want to give up sometimes? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Are you not angry? Oh, as absolutely. F? Yeah. Don't, don't mistake that. There are some days because I have dreams. I have a husband. I have a career. I have all these things, right? I had a life that I had imagined for them. My mom came through so much trauma and then you get remarried. I had this dream for her life. Did your stepdad pass? He did not. He, um, he was in a very bad shape, but one ray of hope in this, he is actually back mobile and talking and cognitively he's good. He's still on a feeding tube three years later for his primary nutrition, but 
he's good. And he's one of the things that one of the people who has helped sustain me. He's one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. Does he, did he and your mom still live together? Mm -hmm. So I moved. Do you kind of take care of both of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and it's so funny. Sometimes I wish people could see behind the scenes. Um, I sleep across from a hospital bed every night. People don't see that when you're you on sleep TV. sleep in your mom's room. Yeah, I moved to take care of her because I, having been in healthcare so long and w- what I know to be true, and I'll say to this on this podcast and, it, and people might be like, she's lost it, she's nuts. I'm still hopeful for a miracle. Why wouldn't you be? Mm-hmm. Because even when she was in the coma, I played music for her, I sang to her, I talked to her and, and I would tell her, I was like, mom, science, I studied it, neuroplasticity, your brain is rewiring, you have everything that you need to heal and you will wake up and you're gonna talk to me again. She can talk to us today, she could, she could talk to us now. And Does she have memories? Mm-hmm. She does have memories. Uh, and does she know like her step, your, her mm-hmm. husband and your family? Mm-hmm. What's changed? Mm-hmm. Um, the injury at first made it so she couldn't speak. She couldn't coordinate eating. She still can't use her right side. She was extremely cognitively impaired, but through that process, she has healed quite a bit mentally and th- in her brain. So she can talk to us. She can understand. She has recall now. <laughs> Uh, And that's something that I'm grateful for because one thing that I used to tell her and it's just kind of a full circle moment and then I promise I'll be quiet. No, don't be quiet, Um, Kirby. When we were sleeping in the ICU and you're hearing, and I'm sitting here going back to my brain talking to you about it. One thing that I would remind her even before she came out of that coma and could open her eyes is I said, remember when they told you you weren't going to come home with me? And if you did, I was going to be a burden. I was going to have learning disabilities, maybe be blind. When you were a baby. You fought for me. We've been here before. And look at you. They weren't right. They weren't right. And so that's what if everyone believed everything that somebody said, who's an authority figure. That's right. And then let's go another level deeper. They weren't right. They weren't right. And I told her we've been here before. We've been here before. I'm not leaving you. We've been here before. That's why three years later, I'm still there. And to see the growth, the healthcare professionals are like, we don't really understand. Now, it's not like she's up uh, running laps, but there's so much that I could talk about in that realm. But it's so important. One thing that you said that I want to come back to, though, what if we believed all the things that people told us, the qualified people, right? Right. But what if we believed everything that feels so real in our heads? Sometimes the authority that's wrong is internal. And we have to question that sometimes. And so um, I'm just... So you believe, you have full hope. Because you've seen miracles. I've seen miracles. As much as you've seen trauma, you are a miracle. You are a miracle. Actually yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And one thing that I would repeat to her, um, cause I have, I need mantras folks. I cry and then I repeat mantras. <laughs> so one that I would say to her in the ICU was, um, and over her before she could even open her eyes is I would really just plead for healing and restoration. I would repeat that because I didn't want to selfishly keep her here. Mm. And let me tell you, if you ever find yourself in a trauma unit, making decisions with family, and professionals, you're going to find yourself at some really hard crossroads 
where they're telling you, you know, this is the quality, quality of life and this and that. And I'm not saying anything to anyone who's had to make a hard decision. None of us know the right answer. But I didn't want to be selfish and advocating and fighting for her. That's why I would repeat the mantra, healing and restoration. I don't just want you here to be here, but I want you to be healed and I want restoration. Little did I know I was also repeating that mantra for myself. That's a hindsight kind of thing. But even now, today, to see some of the peace and healing that's happened in our relationship, because it wasn't bunnies and rainbows given all the trauma she had experienced, there was an abusive toxicity to even her parenting style. She changed. (laughs) Not really until later. But even in this context, it's given me time and space to have conversations with her that would not have otherwise happened. Wait, what do you mean? So, being real, sometimes our parents don't acknowledge all of what they did. Right. But when we have, we've had this time, and then you have this life-altering thing, we've had lengthy conversations that have led to acknowledgement that have led to apology that have led to insight from past from, from past, past. Mm-hmm. cuz you've talked about reparenting happen. before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so going back and like talking through some of the pain mm-hmm. that maybe your mom put on you That's that right. she was unaware of that you've had the chance to go back mm-hmm. and talk with her mm-hmm. because of the state she's That's in right. now that you never would have that before. never would have before and wow. That's not, oh, this person can't move, so I'm going to hold them captive. It's no, she's cognitively aware, and there's been a healing, and there's been conversation around it. And I could see, because like she had tears running down her eyes in these conversations, it was also healing for her, because it wasn't me villainizing her. Because of the work that I've done, I was able to acknowledge and look it in the face and not sugarcoat it and say, this is what it was. This is what the experience was for me. But here's what I want you to know for sure. I forgive you, and I want to say I am sorry that no one came into your life earlier to let you know that all of those things that you had to do to protect yourself when you were being abused as a child, all of those things that you had to do to protect yourself when life was just being cruel to you, I'm so sorry that that you weren't in the context to heal and know that you could have put them down in motherhood. I'm so sorry that that didn't happen for you. And that's a powerful moment, and it was powerful for me because I went three years angry and angry on autopilot. But for me, I have a different piece about it now. And I want her to know that I forgive her and that I don't look at, didn't look at her as a villain. I acknowledge everything she went through and that someone should have, I wish someone would have taken care of her better emotionally earlier on in her life. So it, trauma started young for her. Oh yeah, she was abused by her father. There's a lot that happened, and so when and if we, you don't have the tools mm-hmm. to heal, what do you do? How do you even know? You just have to protect yourself mm-hmm. and then go on. Mm-hmm. And biology works, folks. And I'm not just saying that because that was my uh, background and degree. Biology works, and here's what I mean by that: everyone who's able to conceive is not a mother. You can bring a child into this world and not be the best thing for them. And, you know, I'll probably get some messages about that after this goes live. But you can give life without being healed and alive internally. Totally. And I just really wish A lot of people do. Yes. Because so many people have so many traumas and pains and all these awful things they've gone through. They haven't done any work. Mm -hmm. To actually do the work Mm -hmm. like you have, Mm -hmm. Kirby, takes so much time Mm -hmm. and energy and emotional... Mm -hmm. 
draining. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It takes years. Mm -hmm. It never ends. Mm -hmm. So many people don't even have the ability to understand how to even start with Mm -hmm. that. And yet, like you said, they're bringing more children into the world. Yes. And we just pass down the trauma. Yeah. And it never gets healed because some people don't even know where to begin with this. Yeah. And then it's hard to even take ownership of it because you're like, not aware, first of all. And then you still kind of feel like the victim, but you don't realize that you're in parallel victimizing someone else. Because you were so, like, not you personally, yeah, this yeah, yeah. person was so mm-hmm. abused and had so much trauma mm-hmm. that, yes, they feel like the victim, mm-hmm. but then they're passing it. That's yeah. how the cycle continues. Right. And so maybe someone listening to this um, needs to hear this. This is something I still work through every day because there are still some people in my life that I'm like, I'm still working on it. Um, that you can acknowledge and make peace. One thing I struggled for with for so long was if I acknowledge that maybe you were broken, if I acknowledge that maybe you were out of control, if I acknowledge maybe what you did to me was a result of what was done to you, that's giving you a pass. We don't wanna give people who do bad things passes. Like we should be accountable. That's a very elementary way of looking at it. It's a very traumatized and victimized way of looking at what's happened to you. But it feels real. If someone came up and punched you in the face right now or did something that put your daughter in harm's way, you're not going to rush to think, what happened to you? You're not. Human nature is, I'm going after it. But I think when you get to the point where you can acknowledge and make peace, that's where radical transformation happens. Not just bad things happened and I'm going to stay angry. Not I won't even acknowledge the bad thing happened because if I give it language, then it makes it real. It's real. Just like we talked about earlier, it's law. Believe me, me, it's added to my list for God. Why is this law? But it is law. So when we can look at it for what it is, acknowledge and make peace, that's how I've been able to be more open to letting the light in and seeking joy, even in the midst of the most challenging chapter of my life currently still. So when you say law, is there mm-hmm. like, are you saying there's like one particular law or there's just laws of life? There's laws, plural of life, but that's a big one. You know, like big laws and little laws. That's a big law. So the big law, say it again. Is that adversity happens. Adversity is. That's law. That's law. And I I had to think about that um, because we personalize our trauma and our hurt and our pain so much. And we think we're so uniquely flawed or that things, why did this happen to me or why did this happen to someone I love? That is a, that's a void. You'll never know why. There's not a why other than the fact that adversity happens and there is a law at place that good happens and bad happens. It's, it is. There's no amount of regret or lamenting. That's the law of this life we live in. Of this life. Like Mm -hmm. adversity Mm -hmm. happens. Happens. And then on the flip side, joy happens. Joy and miracles happen. Yeah. And adversity leaves clues and gifts. Um, And it also. What do you mean by that? Yeah. (laughs) That took me a while to get to as well. Because that Uh, sucks to have to find those clues and gifts. Believe you me, it's on the list for God too. (laughs) Like if you would have just told me, given me like a little treasure map to my gifts, God, instead of hiding them in adversity, 
I would have followed the treasure map. You didn't have to hide them in adversity. Right. Like, God, I would, I would, like, that's what I, we even talked about today. God, spell it out for me. Yes. I'll do it. Yes. Like, I want to yeah. serve you. And it's like, Mm-mm, go through the fire. No, let Wait. me just put you through all this yeah. pain and suffering and trauma. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. And then you'll find it. Do you ever feel like mm-hmm. you got more than like you deserved with trauma? Because you've gotten mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I did live in that space for a while. It, it wasn't healthy and it wasn't true. Now, if we put me side by side, but pe- with someone who's had privilege and protection and all of these things, yeah, it's going to look a lot different. But then I could lift my head up and look globally to the people who suffer immeasurable horrors daily. And I know it's not just me. I'm not alone. Again, God, can we wave a wand and fix it? I'd love that. But law is good and bad happen. And I can't set up camp there. I don't live there. I refuse to live there. And I want to help other people through. So where do you live? I live at the intersection of grief and gratitude. That's basically my address. And that's real. That is real. I, I live there because there's an ongoing grief in my own personal life. Uh, for people like you and I who, who look up and research and feel things, there's an ongoing grief for people that I know, those people that I'll never know, the people that I'm trying to help. There's grief for the people that I'll never be able to help. There's grief for the life that I thought I'd live. There's grief for the dreams that have passed, but there's gratitude for so many amazing things too. So that's where I live. I live at that intersection right now. How do you feel about embracing your dreams mm-hmm. now? Cause it's scary. Cause you have the real fear mm-hmm. and the real reality mm-hmm. of the bottom falling mm-hmm. out every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not true. But it I is know, true. But it in feels so many- true. And that's what I want you to hear too. It can feel so true, but not be true. So what do you do? You keep going. You seek out resources. You find a release. You surrender. What do you tell God? That I'm open. Ooh, and that took a long time to get to. Because I felt so closed off. And not because I'm a bad person was I closed off from, from God and bigger things. You would be crazy it's if you like, weren't closed off. Yeah, protection. I mean, I would be cussing God. I'm sorry for everyone who thinks that that's like the wrong thing to say, but like. <laughs> it's in the Bible too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what on earth, God, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine to get mm-hmm. angry with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he designed us. That's what I say. Uh, I didn't design me. It's just like when the video game gets glitchy, it's not the player's fault. Somebody designed that. So he gave us every one of these emotions and this complexity. And if we read the Bible and, you know, for anyone who has a faith story, I know everyone doesn't subscribe to the same foundational, but across the board, um, we're in the likeness of divinity. We're in the likeness. So when we feel despair, when we feel angry, it's not because we're terrible. Remember, we're designed and we're in the likeness. And that's one thing that's helped me get through some of this too. It's like, okay, God, if I'm like a mirror image or a, a portion of you, 
I'm looking to tap into the bigger picture, the thing that can help me be connected, and I am open. I was so closed off in running a program daily. And sometimes I still fall into this. When I'm in my most stressed states, I just go to running the simple program. That was not serving me, and it didn't protect me. It didn't save me. It did not. So if you are protecting yourself from pain, you're also protecting yourself from joy, and it will not save you. And I know that seems depressing, but it's really what's true. It won't save you. So you might as well surrender, live all out, maximize the moments you have, maximize the influence you have while you have it. How do you protect yourself now? Mm. I have a true north. And if something doesn't align with that. In your gut? Mm -hmm. In my gut and in my life, and I'm about to tell you a real quick story. Okay. And you're like, Kirby, your stories aren't quick. But um, <laughs> you, you got to have your own show but, somehow, something. Well, God has big plans for you. That's actually the goal, you know, uh, is to, to have a show where we talk about things like this, travel the world, pepper in some delicious food. It's a whole thing. I love it. It's I love it. Uh, so what has helped me is the resources that I've shared, like reading, meditating, mantras, gratitude, journaling, and not just in a cute, fuzzy journal. Sometimes you have to be grateful for the little things and start there and then allow yourself to feel angry and still dig deeper. That's the ticket. The other thing is I have, when I say I have a true North, I know at the end of my life, what I want to have left behind. What is that? I want to have been a light. A light doesn't change anything, but had you walked into this room that we're sitting in here today and it was dark, your experience would have been different. You would have bumped into some things. You maybe would have felt a little fearful. You maybe would have gotten bruised. Maybe you would have stayed small because you felt unsure about going forward. But turning on a light doesn't change anything about the room. It just changes how you experience the room. Wow. That's what I want to be said about my life. I want to change how people experience life. And one of the things that helps me to do that is my own practice, my own grounding, faith. And, you know, we could have a whole other podcast about a faith journey still on that. Which we are, because this is for Kelly's Velvet Edge, but I'm taking Kirby. <laughs> We're going to have a part two We're of this go over on, on mine, Get Real, Get Real, coming up. And there was an exercise that I had to do with a small group cohort that I'm in, in a business cohort with Donald Miller, if you're familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, he has a podcast. He does have a podcast and a whole company and all these amazing things. People might know him for writing Blue Like Jazz, but he's gone on to really be a business mogul, if you will. And I'm in a small business cohort with him. And it's not just about business, it's business and life. And those are my people. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's why you're my people. Is how can we do well together, but how can we um, be whole together? So in one of those sessions, he invited us to write our obituary. My eyes got big. I was like, are you serious? In this room of people, we're writing an obituary. And then he went on to share how he has written his obituary and the practice that he has with it and why it's really a beautiful thing and how it can help navigate your life. Because here's another law. This ends. Life. This version ends. And that's heavy. But it's true. It's true. 
And even I spent years trying not to think about it with the loss of my brother, the loss of my dad, the thought of losing something was just so traumatic. Through healing, I can't ignore the fact that it ends. So with that in mind, how about we make it as beautiful and purposeful as we can? So writing my obituary. Instead of avoiding and trying to run from the fact that we're going to, it's going to happen. It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. It's just like, you can be like, I don't like nighttime. I like daytime. I like to take my kids to the park. My kids, you know, I like daytime. Guess what's going to happen around 630 tonight? (laughs) Night. It's coming. So how about we embrace it? So sitting in that room, I wrote the obituary. It was very hard for me. The next time we come back together, he's like, we're going to read them. So I read my obituary in front of this room full of people, and that too was transformational. And why he said that is helpful, and he actually reads his, he says, you know, read it daily or at least weekly, so that you have a path. So when the noise of life threatens to consume you, much like what we were talking about. And that happens for me all Mm -hmm. the time. You have a path. As amazing as you are, you can't solve it all. As amazing as you are and your beautiful design, you weren't designed to carry it all. Mm. So know your path. And anything that's not aligned with that, it's a goodbye and good luck. And I hope someone who's on their path can help with that. Know your path. So that is what keeps me grounded. That's a very long way to answer your question about, you know, kind of what keeps me and, and where I'm going is to know that at the end of it all, the ripple effect that I want to leave, what I would hope would be transformational for other people outside of good recipes, awesome selfie angles, all of these things. I want to have an enduring impact because I've been given really hard gifts in life. And I don't believe that we go through these things for torture Although that's also on my list for God, I just want to be sure. Like, you weren't meaning to torture me, right? I don't believe that we do. I believe that if you are open, if your eyes wide open, heart wide open, even if it's breaking, the lessons that you learn can literally change your life and save someone else. And and save them, maybe not physically, but save them from dying in their mind in their 20s and 30s and only being buried in their 70s. I want to save people from that because I'm on the process of saving myself from that. I was on a road where I was just going to run the same program. And so here we are. Why did so you decide to get off that mm-hmm. road? Because I, I saw that it was, it's kind of that sobering, like, you know what? It's going to end. That's painful to think about. But I'm going to push it to the limit. I'm not going to um, just live really small and shrink and die. I'm going to try everything that I want to, hence why I just got back from Italy. I'm leaving for London on Sunday. Um, I'm going to push this to the edge because it does end, and I believe that it can end really beautifully. It ends for me in a form, but it won't end for other people. That's why I decided to do that is because our life is really – I think we're designed to be of service, and that's when you're the highest version of yourself, not the shrinking, faking, decaying version of ourselves. 
when you're the highest version of yourself in your gifting, in your glory, in your brokenness, that's when you can be of service for other people. And I believe that's why we're here. I really do believe that's why we're here. So that's what invited me to get off of that autopilot, even though it felt safer. But like, it's crazy that like, you didn't want to be reckless. You didn't mm-hmm. want to just be constantly. Oh, we didn't say that wasn't true. <laughs> like, I mean, you can see why people mm-hmm. just want to drink, mm-hmm. party, mm-hmm. do all mm-hmm. sorts of things to numb out, mm-hmm. you know, throw caution to the to wind, the wind. Mm-hmm. anger, mm-hmm. all that. Like, cause mm-hmm. like sometimes you're like, who even cares? What's who the even point? cares? What's the point? Right. Cause it's almost like, I know the end of this movie. Why don't I just kick it, yeah. live it up? I, but it's, it's really having that, um, the lens of service and having meaning when it's all over for me. And even, I, you know, guys, this isn't, I'm like writing my obituary and like, it, hopefully it won't come true next week, but I'm just saying like, we're like a living legacy. One of my favorite speakers, um, who I actually had the opportunity to have him call my cell phone. It was insane. He changed my life with that. One thing that he says is live full and die empty. Who is it? Les Brown. Oh, what did he, yes. Mm-hmm. And I had the occasion to go cook for him and we did a great interview together. But it's really when you live full that your tribe starts to be attracted who can genuinely help you on your journey. It's when you live full and you're vulnerable and even brokenhearted that you start to get peace <laughs> that transcends understanding you know that's in the bible too and we've all read about it but when you can sit here and be like why aren't you angry i am angry some days i am wanting to just park some days and just let life go by that is true but more often than not there is a piece that it's hard for you to understand but it's only because of that journey and opening myself up to that and it is a journey there's some days that Uh, When my mom's having a really hard day and I've got demands of other things and my husband is living in a whole nother house and I'm worried about the life that he thought he'd live, that I'm just like, this is too much. But then because of the tribe that I have, the developing faith that I have, I'm able to come back to center. So that's all that I can offer. I don't have a magic wand, but it's like it's a practice. It's a courageousness to look at the truths of this life. It's not personal. We didn't design it. We're in it. (laughs) Again, I'm like, why couldn't I have been a llama? (laughs) They seem good. Everybody loves llama. They got a nice coat. Keeps them warm. Exactly. They don't really get eaten that often. Exactly. They're kind of just there. They're just there. Be there. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of predators put those cute little blankets on their backs. I mean, llama, I could have been a llama. Why am I this? You know, so I, I, I think I go through that too, but I just have to know that there is a purpose for my life that is beyond anything that I can actually comprehend. And that pulls me forward. And so you're open to it. Mm -hmm. And that's when life really started to change. I think too, probably you said, God, like, why did you have to make me find my purpose through all this adversity? But now like the law is adversity and miracles. So it's like, are Mm -hmm. you just realizing that? your purpose is all of it. Like when you, 
you had the dream yes. before your mom called yeah. you mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. with the dooms flying out, but mm-hmm. maybe it's just all of it, but it sucks and it's great and it's duality and it sucks <laughs> and it's great and what the F mm-hmm. and it's amazing and, and it's I awful it. and, and I, I hate it and I love it. Yes. And I don't deserve it. But Both also ways. Yeah. like, I don't deserve it. Both ways. What in the F are we doing here? That's what I'm like. Why God? Would you like to add an amendment to my note to God? Let's do it. Let's write. <laughs> God. Let's write. Let's write it. Yeah. It's humbling. Let me tell you that. Because my degrees, what I had in the bank account, the fact that I get to do cool things on TV sometimes, none of that mattered on the other end of that phone call. It's real humbling. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of the story, too. I'm just here figuring out and reimagining my pieces. There is a um, a Japanese practice, and I'm sure all of us have heard it, uh, called kintsugi. And it's a really intricate process, and maybe one day we'll talk more about it. But at the highest level, they don't throw away pottery and things that break like we do. And then we go try to replace it. And that's what we do in our lives sometimes. Where we break, we go try to replace it. We get the highlights and the filler. I'm all for all the things. I just got my hair done yesterday. Looks really good. But it doesn't fix it. We don't replace it. You have to sit with it. And so in the process of kintsugi, when they have something that's broken, they don't rush to fix it either. There's actually a practice where they sit with the pieces and reimagine what they can be. They know that it's not going to be restored to its original form. They don't try to use clear glue to hide the brokenness. They actually sit with and honor what happened. They fill in the cracks with gold, and the piece is stronger than it was before. And the cracks actually highlight the fact that they were broken, and it's still there. It's resilient. And I really believe that as a parallel for our lives. Let's not hide our brokenness. Mm. Let's not rush to throw it away and replace it. I know we're all about reinventing ourselves, but how about we don't seek new things to reinvent ourselves. Let's go inward and reimagine our pieces and find purpose there. I think that's, I think that's where real peace and transformation happens. And going back to what we talked about earlier, that's what we're all after. God, you are so wise. I can't believe you've gotten here mentally, like the way you're the mental strength that you have, the person that you are, you are rare. You are rare. Look at us, two rare people sitting in a room. <laughs> you are, you are an amazing person, Kirby. Your life is phenomenal. Hmm. You are phenomenal. And you are. So here, and this is the story we all are in our own version, but we don't see it. We don't see it because we're, we're seeking something else. And that's why reimagining your pieces is so important. Your pieces, not somebody else's. Reimagine them and put some new hope in them. Uh, because otherwise you'll be staring at the shards wishing they were whole again. It's not going to happen. You're going to rush to pick up the pieces and you're going to cut yourself. You're going to try sit with them, honor them, and put them together with purpose. That's my... That's, that's where I am. That's not like, this is where I've been, and I'm coming to tell you about it. That's where I am. 
That's where I am. I'm figuring it out. I'm open to it every day, really every hour. I don't have good days and bad days. I have good 20 minutes and bad 20 minutes. Like it's a roller coaster. So I'm just sharing a little snippet of the journey and what helps me and just being honest about that. Getting to talk with you today has been so unbelievably meaningful to me. And I came in here feeling hopeless for this world because sometimes I just hate it. Mm -hmm. And after talking to you, I feel so much hope for this world because of you. This conversation has completely changed the way I feel about this day because I woke up just not in it today, Mm -hmm. just not feeling it, not wanting it, like feeling completely defeated by having to be in this world because it's Mm -hmm. so awful. Mm -hmm. But you flipped the switch for me today and I'm so grateful and honored that I got to talk with you. Well, I'm so grateful and honored that we got to spend this time together and there are no mistakes. This was meant to happen today. There are no mistakes. I feel that. So it's beautiful. And I'm so glad to be a guest on a Velvet's Edge. Velvet's Edge. And I'm a guest of a guest. So a guest of a guest. And we're going to have many more I conversations. This. I love that. Yes. So good. And thank you all for listening. And everyone go follow Kirby. Tell us again where to find you. Okie dokie. So you can find me over in the wonderful world of Instagram. That's where I am the most active. So I'd love for you to connect with me there and that's at Kanimi Kitchen and that's K-I-N-I for Nicole and then M-I Kitchen so connect with me over there I know this will all be in the show notes too let's let's uh, make new friends and some people come in your life for a season and that's cool um, but some people come to walk the journey with you so maybe we're, we're here to find each other I always wrap up with leave your light mm-hmm. and your whole thing is light in the darkness i mean you walk that line amazing um but it's just open-ended what do you want people to know Mm -hmm. i want people to know that it may feel the same but it's not the same and here's what i mean by that the the thing that gets me out of the bed in the morning is possibility And some days when I have to get up and change a diaper of my mother and give her medication and take care of her before I take care of myself and run the same program, it feels defeating some days when I get in my head. And something that I repeat to myself is it feels the same. It feels like I'm gonna do the same things. And I know the end of the story, but it's not the same. Mm. It feels the same, but it's not the same. It's not the same because today was not yesterday. Today is not tomorrow. And today has in it new possibilities that I can't even imagine. And when I started repeating that to myself, literally, um, life changed for me. There's some really beautiful developments coming that I can't talk about right now. But when I opened myself up to that, to say, I'm open This feels the same, but it's not the same. Everything that I'm experiencing with my eyes, my nose, my hands, my thoughts feels the same, but it's not the same because there's possibility. There's people that I don't know yet Mm. who will love me and take care of me. There's opportunities and and miracles and moments that are coming mm -hmm, for you mm -hmm. that you can't even imagine. Can't even imagine that I haven't experienced before. So I want people to know that it may feel the same, but it's not the same. Irvy Miller. Mm -hmm. Wow.
Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. This was an amazing conversation and I am truly blessed by you. I feel the same way. Can't wait for the next one. Yep. So y'all tune in. We Kirby will be back joining me on Get Real next time. But thank you so much for coming with me on this journey with Kelly's podcast on Velvet's hey, Edge. Kelly. I had an amazing time getting to step in for her. Thank you, um, Kelly, for trusting me <clears throat> to co-host it. And honestly, I just feel like God brought us together, Kirby. And this was just the most perfect conversation. Like it was just, I literally could not, I cannot tell you how amazing it was to talk to you today. So I know everyone listening felt it and I'm just blessed to be here. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts.